It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 24th, 2012. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you as always on Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. It is good to be with you and uh, it is good to have an opportunity to talk about an important Bible subject, a continuation of last week's discussion. Jacob, last week on the Virtual Bible Study, many of our listeners will know that we interviewed David Baker, who's a uh, Baptist preacher here in our area, and we talked about the important question of instrumental music in worship. Of course, that's a divisive topic. Uh, many are uh, many take differing views in the religious world. Our view is that the New Testament does not authorize Christians to use instruments of music in worship. That's a a, certainly a minority view. Most right. denominations believe in and use instrumental music. So it is a question worth studying. And uh, David Baker was kind enough to join us on the program last week to give us his point of view on that question. The interview took much longer than we thought it would. It went, lasted the whole hour. And we had a lot of feedback from our listeners we didn't get to. We had a lot, several emails, a number of comments in the chat room. We even had a phone call from Mike in Orleans, Indiana, that we couldn't take, just didn't have time to get to it. So we have hooked up with Mike tonight via Skype, and he's going to join us for our discussion. Mike Mailer in Orleans, Indiana. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Real good. Thanks for having me tonight, guys. And thanks for joining us, Mike. Sorry we didn't get to your thoughts last week. I hope you have a good memory and you remember them. <laughs> Actually, I, uh, sort of like on I, Monday, I, w- I went back and, and listened to the, the program one more time in the archives I just sort of uh, wanted to take some notes for myself. There were a couple of arguments that, uh, well, I, I guess we'll get into those tonight. It's but, sort of like um, icing the I'll, kicker, I'll though. To you know, about you it. get Mike all revved up, and then we put him on hold for a week. So, yeah. yeah, well, I, I, I think he's, I think he's up to the task. Okay. So. Well, we want Don't to talk. Show my Skype picture. I think I lost some hair over it. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, well, you're on the screen. Hey, uh, we're gonna, we're going to take your thoughts as well. A toll free at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And if you're listening to us live on the program tonight, to the right of your video window is a chat window where you can join in with other listeners. If you disagree with us, and we're going to disagree with David Baker tonight and on the program. If you disagree with us, and you agree with David Baker, or maybe you. Uh, would agree with instrumental music, maybe not with all the arguments that he made. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Toll-free, 877-381-4567. And we do want to reiterate that we appreciate David for being willing to talk with us. A lot of times we, uh, when we have people that disagree with us and we invite them on the program, uh, they refuse and uh, because they don't really think it matters. Uh, they don't think it's worthwhile to discuss what the Bible teaches. And uh, it shows that they have a lack of respect for God's Word, I believe. Uh, when they're not willing to discuss differences. And, and David Baker is willing. We've talked to him before about baptism, which is a topic we disagree about. And we, we always have a congenial discussion, although we disagree and disagree seriously on important topics. We, we don't want to minimize the significance of our disagreement. Right. It is, it is major. It is significant. And yet uh, we can conduct ourselves as gentlemen should and and david baker did as well and we appreciate him for that and it's not about winning an argument or showing that we're right or who the 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 important thing is the truth is uncovered here about what god wants from us and that's what we're interested in i think that's what david's interested in and i hope that all of our listeners are interested in that tonight and so we'll look forward to studying the discussion the uh, topic with you on the program tonight Mike, I think what we're going to do, since we had a number of emails and you yourself had sent in an email, we're going to start out tonight by dealing with some of the questions that we put out last week on the question of instrumental music. We'll try to cover those fairly rapidly, and then we want to go to three or four arguments that David Baker made last week and spend some more time sort of working on those uh, uh, but I think since we had a number of responses, we ought to go quickly to those who responded last week on some questions that we sent out. We sent them out again today and got some more feedback. This is a topic, obviously, that people are 
uh, interested in, and so it's worth talking about. So I asked last week, and I'm just going to do these one at a time, Jacob. Asked last week, how, how would you respond to the following arguments about using instrumental music in worship? You might agree or disagree, but here's what some people say. A very common response is, the Bible doesn't say not to. The Bible doesn't say not to play instruments. Mike, you sent in a response last week. How are you going to deal with that when someone, I, I know you've heard that numerous times through the years. How are you going to answer somebody when they tell you the Bible doesn't say not to? Well, uh, you know, that, that's, that's sort of a, a, an argument that's just not going to work because the Bible doesn't tell us to do lots of things. And if the Bible had to list everything that we could not do, it would, it's going to be so big, you know, that you just, you couldn't fit it on the back of a semi-trailer truck, you know, to, to bring it to church. You know, we have something that we all practice, and I don't know if we've ever really thought of it in these terms, but we have something that I like, you know, I think you've probably heard this before, termed this way, but it's, it's called the law of exclusion. And essentially what that is, is it's, it's just a law that we all, uh, sort of, uh, we understand without really putting it to, to, to thought. But it's, it's sort of like, uh, I, I like to give people an example. Suppose that you hired me, Greg, to come over, and you asked me to paint your house, and you wanted me to uh, to paint it uh, canary yellow with white trim. And if you hired me to do that, and then you said, well, I'm going to be gone a week, and when I come back, I, you know, I, I expect the house to be done. So you've you've given some specifics in there that you wanted me to do, but there there were a lot of things that you didn't say I couldn't do. I didn't well, say I you, didn't say, for instance, I didn't say don't paint it red. Right. I didn't say right. that. And you didn't say don't paint my garage. You didn't say don't paint my car. And you know, but it was implied because you told me to paint your house. That was the only thing that was authorized for me to paint. And the same thing is true in God's word. If he if he says to sing, there's no reason to believe that he means to sing and whatever, fill in the blank. It could be play or anything else. Exactly right. And I think you're right. I think that uh, if we're going to technically label that, it's the law of exclusion. But it's just actually good common sense. When I make a catalog order, you know, these days people order a lot of stuff online. Yeah, I don't think anybody makes a catalog order. Well, it, it, online orders are the equivalent okay, of catalog okay, orders. Okay, so, but when I make an online order, I don't have to tell the people, don't send me and then list everything else they have for sale on their website. Right. When I specify what I want, they understand that excludes yeah. everything else. That's just common sense. We operate on that basis every day. Why wouldn't we use that same reasoning when it comes to... Uh, our worship. Let us reiterate uh, that th- these are these arguments that we're dealing with at the beginning of the program aren't the arguments that David Baker made. We're going to talk about those later. He didn't yeah. make this argument no, to, my, make to my But it is a very common it response. A, a common, we're dealing with some of those that you had sent out earlier last yeah. week. Uh, Jason, I think Jason's in Pennsylvania, says uh, you are right. The New Testament does not say not to play instruments. It also says do not. Uh, th- doesn't say not to open a Baptist Walmart, but is it okay to do? It doesn't say do not open a, an amusement park, but does that mean we can do it? Where do you draw the line? Appreciate uh, those thoughts from Jason. Yeah, uh, let's see. Real well, you quickly. know, Greg, along that yeah. line, if I can interrupt just a second, if, if somebody, you know, if, if a company had done that, you know, any one of our listeners, if they had ordered something online and they just, the company just took it upon themselves to just send them all kinds of stuff that they didn't order and charge their card for it, well, they'd be furious with that, wouldn't they? Well, they, but, you know, it, we, it, we it would be God criminal. To just accept it. It would be criminal. I mean, I think they would be subject right. to uh, to criminal charges for for doing that. Now, Johnny in Loretta uh, disagrees with uh, the idea that the Bible doesn't say not to play instruments is an invalid argument. Johnny thinks that it is valid, and he says this. He says this argument comes or stems from the Church of Christ Creed of C E N I, which stands for Command, Example, Necessary Inference. This gives the idea that if you don't have a specific command for something, then you can't do it. I cannot find any Bible justification for condemning people who use instruments in worship. None. You can bring up Nadab and Abihu, but it is not a correct understanding of what happened to those two men, nor is a correct understanding of what most churches use, uh, who use instruments do. The argument uh, that you can bring hot dogs to the Lord's Supper is also ridiculous. Well, so, now, wait a minute. I think well, Johnny is uh, hes a little he, bit angry with some of the arguments he's heard in the past. Yeah, but he he introduced the, the, the answer to his own position there. The Bible does not say don't use hot dogs on the Lord's Supper. It doesn't say not to. Well, why but, is that? But it tells us what we should use, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. It's the same 
it's the same reasoning, it's the same exercise of logic. When God told us what to use in the Lord's Supper, it excludes everything else. Johnny agrees it excludes hot dogs. When God told us what he wanted in the Lord's Supper, it excludes hot dogs. He's right about that. Why is it ridiculous? Why, why? If, if, that's, if that's not, I mean, he understands that reasoning. He understands that logic, and he's just got to be fair enough to apply it to something he likes, which is instrumental music. And he calls it a Church of Christ creed, which it is not, but he says the, uh, the idea, he discounts the idea that you must have command, example, or necessary inference to have authority for things from God's Word. Now, that's not an unreasonable request. It's what we would do in everyday life. It's what Johnny would do on the job if he was given an instruction by his boss if he would use the logic of command, example, or necessary inference in his everyday life. It is not an unreasonable thing that we must have uh, authority for everything we do from God's Word, and we establish it by those three means. All right. (coughs) Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, quotes uh, Leviticus 4.31 uh, about burning the fat of sacrifices. And he says, the Bible does not say thou shalt not sacrifice animals any longer. Uh, then he references Numbers 9, verse 4. Moses spake the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. The Bible does not say thou shalt not keep the Passover any longer. Then he quotes Leviticus 23:41 and following about the Feast of Booths. And he says, the Bible does not say thou shalt not keep the Feast of Booths any longer. He says, my point is, just because the Bible does not expressly forbid it, does not, does not mean that we're authorized to do it. Because there has been a change in covenants means that we have a new law and we, have, and we understand what that law is. The old law was hung on the cross, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. So uh, Wade uses some arguments from the Old Testament. Uh, to, again, to, to agree with our position, the Bible doesn't have to say not to. When it tells us what to do, it excludes other things. And I like Jim's uh, response in Kentucky. You have to string a couple of uh, verses together, but it is a very powerful argument. He says the answer to this idea that the Bible doesn't say not to play instruments, he says we walk by faith, not by sight, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. So we walk by faith, not by sight. He goes on to say that in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith is created by God's word, not his silence. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. We walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. First, uh, Romans chapter 14 would tell us anything that is not of faith is sin. So he says if we desire to please God, then we will do his will, follow his word, not silence. We obey him by doing what he says, not by doing what he didn't say. And that is true. Uh, Mike, you can't worship God with instruments if God has not said anything about instruments because doing so would not be by faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it is impossible to do something with faith if God hasn't told you that he wants you to do it. Right. And and I, I think, you know, something that you've already brought out, but I, I, th- I just think it's such a great point that it really needs to be emphasized, is I think Johnny was, you know, the, the listener that wrote in, there's going to be something that he'll have to explain to all of us then if we're going to agree on anything, and that is where does it stop? You know, if, if we're going to allow things to be practiced that aren't specifically mentioned in the Scriptures, then is there anything that that isn't authorized? And, and if there isn't, then then it just nullifies the church. It makes the church absolutely nothing. Well, it becomes completely subjective then. What do I like and what do I not like? I mean, we wouldn't have any standard. If his rule applied, we wouldn't have any standard to go by. All right. Uh, We've got to hurry. We've got to hurry. Real quickly, Daniel uh, says, you're right. It tells us what to do. That's Ephesians 5.19. We're to look for authority to, to do so. We must not take away or add to the scriptures or we're in bigger judgment of things to come. Revelation 22, 18, 19, John 4, 24. It doesn't say not to have donuts or Kool-Aid with the Lord's Supper, but it tells us what we are supposed to do. Uh, and then... We got, uh, well, Anthony sent in a response yeah, last Anthony. week. Anthony uh, moved to the head of the class tonight. And <laughs> Anthony's running the board. Right. Anthony, what did you say on that question? Yeah, well, I, I basically said the same thing Mike said. If the Bible was, you know, if we operated on the basis of, you know, tell me everything I'm not supposed to do, then the Bible would be, you know, a mile thick. But the example I kind of gave was uh, one that even the little kids can understand. Back to Noah, you know, God told him to use gopher wood, but he didn't list out all of the wood that he wasn't supposed to use. So uh, obviously just giving a command is is sufficient. We do what, we're, what we have authority to do, uh, and that excludes, you know, other possibilities. 
Uh, real quickly, we got an email from uh, a fellow we've gotten to know through the virtual Bible study over in England. Chris writes in, and he's going to take the position. He says, I'll start by letting you know what my position uh, he says it may be somewhat confusing, but I hope to make it clear. I believe in musical accompaniment to church congregational singing in services that are teaching or gospel oriented. But for the breaking of bread, we are a cappella, which is unaccompanied mainly due to the fact that it, at its inception in 1 Corinthians 11, there, there uh, was their musical accompaniment mentioned. And so in keeping with that, the, only the voice is used. That's a little bit unusual. I didn't, I've never heard of that. So here's what he says. To our argument. They, no, no words. Chris says sometimes we use it part of the worship we don't, but he believes you can. Uh, he said on this position, the Bible doesn't say not to. He says the Bible doesn't prohibit any instrument or musical style, though saying that, though saying that, it does state that it is to be as unto the Lord. So just as a person wearing wearing a revealing top would distract someone's attention, someone should not distract from God by an elaborate bit of showing off musically or using a worldly tune to accompany the words uh, such like joyful, joyful, we adore thee, which uses the ode to joy or down from his glory, which uses O solo mio. Uh, so Mike thinks that you can. Again, he says it doesn't it doesn't prohibit any instrument or musical style. Our point is it doesn't authorize it. In other words, it doesn't prohibit it. It doesn't say, we agree, it does not say, thou shall not. But our, our, our logical reasoning is that when God tells us what to do, it excludes the doing of anything else. Yeah, and, so, and maybe we should go back to Johnny's email or where he said that the, the argument from Nadab and Abihu was invalid. I don't know why it's invalid because it strictly tells what their sin was. Well, it's Old Testament. He may discount it because it's Old Testament, but it's illustrated. They didn't do what God told them to do. They did something different, and they were struck dead by God because of it. Now, we could go on and on about yeah. that argument. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus uh, sprang from the tribe of Judah, which the Lord said nothing concerning the priesthood. I mean, that, that argument from Hebrews, uh, is that Hebrews chapter 7? Uh, or is it 13? No, it's not 13. Uh, it's uh, 7, Hebrews 7. Yeah, Hebrews 7. Uh that, that, we, we got yeah. I mean, you got you got all kinds of arguments that say that silence is not permissive; that it is prohibitive. All uh, the, kinds uh, of arguments. If if Johnny uh, wants to operate on that reasoning basis, I'd like to sell him something, because then when he agreed to buy one thing from me, I'd send him a whole boatload full of stuff and expect him to pay for it. Okay. All right. We Let's are way we can... too slow on that. Mike, we're going to have to go fast. We're, we're never take... going to get to last week's arguments because we're still too busy digging out of the hole from yeah. the we'll, ones you presented. We'll be back from this break in a minute. We're going to go rapid fire, Mike, when we get back. All right. We'll be ready to go after okay. this, and we hope that you're ready to go as well. The number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com, and the chat room is open as well. But the chat room is quiet tonight. We'll look forward to your participation in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here are some quotes worth pondering. A people that values its privileges above its principles soon loses both. Here's the test to find whether your work on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. No matter how far you have gone on a wrong road, turn back. If you can control yourself in one moment of anger, you will escape a hundred days of sorrow. If a son is uneducated, his father is to blame. He who asks is a fool for five minutes, but he who does not ask remains a fool forever. Man, I wish I'd said that. <laughs> 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program, and uh, we're glad that you're back as well as we talk about instrumental music. And hopefully we'll get to arguments that David Baker made last week for wrapping up some arguments that you presented that you that people have used in the past that David didn't make. But, well, he actually did use uh, the next, the, the, the next argument he did make. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go quick here, and we may not get to talk about all of these emails, Jacob. We'll just yeah, have to go we'll, as fast as we can. We, we there's going to be a lot of repetition. We so need to spend if about we miss your email, we three or four minutes on this. They used instruments of music in the Old Testament. That's an argument that's often made. When we talk about not using instrumental music in New Testament worship, they say, well, they used it in the Old Testament. Mike, what's your comeback? How are you going to answer? You're, you've heard this again. You've heard this argument. How are you going to answer? Well, you know, I, I think we ought to let the, uh, the New Testament answer the argument. Because, uh, you know, I, I can understand where your guest, you know, how he got to that conclusion. It's, it's made very frequently. But if you'll turn to Acts chapter 15, I think that really has the answer for us. What, what he sort of uh, assumes is because God was pleased with it in the past, God is therefore obviously pleased with it today. Well, I think what we see throughout the different dispensations, you know, we've got the patriarchal dispensation, the mosaic dispensation, and now we're in the Christian dispensation. Well, if you examine, study each one of those dispensations separately, obviously there is a change from one dispensation to the next. For example, in the patriarchal dispensation, uh, when they offered sacrifices, they could just go out and find a stone somewhere out in the open and offer sacrifices. It's not that way under the Mosaic system. Where they offered the sacrifices changed. It had to be. It had to take place in the uh, in the temple. Who offered the sacrifices changed. Uh, the the heads of the households, the patriarchs themselves, they offered the sacrifice under that system. Under the Mosaic system, we had priests. So things change from one one era to the next. One covenant. And when you one covenant to the next, right? And uh, when when we get to the Christian era then we have to re-ask the question again. Does God want, want instrumental music? Well, they tried doing something similar to that in Acts chapter 15 when the Judaizing teachers started to try, try to say, well, you know, God was pleased with circumcision under the old law, therefore Gentiles need to be circumcised still today. And there was a great debate, you know, amongst Paul and, and the others who believe that way. And uh, it says there's no small dissension. And they ended up coming to a conclusion, uh, you know, when they met with the elders and the apostles in Jerusalem. And I think verse 24 in that chapter is really revealing because it says that it was wrong because they gave no such commandment. In other words, if they never authorized that, we have no reason to believe that that's acceptable by God. And that also shows something else. You can't just reach back into the Old Testament and import something into the New Testament era and under the Christian era. It just doesn't work that way. And so if God wants it today, he needs to expressly tell us that. Right. All right, I'm going I'm to call time on that one. Oh, yeah, and, and I would I just think, add. I think Mike wrapped it up. Yeah, and I would just add, you can't go back there and get some things that right. you like and leave off other things. Yeah. If we're going to go back there, I tell you what, if we're going to go back there and get our instrumental music, then we're going to have to also go back there and say we can't have our pork barbecue either. I mean, right. you, well, you, well, Jason, Jason in, in Pennsylvania made that argument. He said it's not like a buffet where you get to pick and choose what you want. Yeah, and 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 that is true. If you're going to go back for some, you got to go back for all. And we're and and you know, and David made the argument last week is that well, Christ is our sacrifice now, so we don't have to offer sacrifice. Well, okay, that's fine. Let's take the sacrifices out because of Christ. He didn't take away the circumcision. He didn't take away the uh, dietary the laws. Yeah. Dietary laws? Why, you know, why, why do we not have Maybe to Maybe he'd say Philip in, the, uh, the, in Acts chapter 8 that, that God took him away there. Uh, okay. All right. Let's, I, I, let's, want, I wonder if Mr. Peter. Baker's wife is comfortable with him having another wife. Yeah. That yeah. was tolerated under that covenant. Right. Uh, true. It's true. <laughs> All right. Let's go to number right. three. All right. Number three is you say you object to, his, uh, object to instrumental music in worship, but I think you're inconsistent because I know you listen to instrumental music in your home, in your car, and so forth. Uh, I've, I've heard you roaring down the street, Mike, and you've got that big boombox sound system in your car, and one of those things that shakes all the neighboring cars when you stop at a stoplight. You know, we're all sitting there vibrating because you got your music turned up so loud. How come you can listen to music in your car or at home, but you say it's wrong uh, in in uh, the worship assembly? Well, I, I I think we can all know in our own minds when we're worshiping and when we're not. You know, when I listen to music on the radio, that's something that's being done to me. Entertainment is something that is done to to, to me. It's it's an act that's done from one person you know to another. 
but when I worship and I'm, my, my heart and my mind is directed toward God, I think we know when we're worshiping. When I'm, when I'm uh, you know, whistling to a, a Conway Twitty song that came on the country radio station, they're playing the classics, everybody knows that I'm not, I don't think anybody gets confused thinking, well, now, am I worshiping God when I'm, when I'm singing, you know, humming along to that song? We know that. We know the difference. Yeah, I think we're all well aware of when we're worshiping and when we're not. Right. Anthony, what do you think on that question? Well, yeah, I, I think Mike makes a good point. Um, you know, I, there's certainly a difference in what, we're, what we do in our homes privately uh, versus what we're doing in, in, in corporate worship to God. So, yeah, uh, and would, not to be indelicate, but there are a number of things that I do at home that I would never dream of doing in the assembly. I mean, it's just it's, it's barbecue, a, maybe. It's a, well, it's a ludicrous position. I'm yeah. I'm talking about other things too. I mean, okay. there's some indelicate things you do at home, just matters of personal hygiene and so forth that you wouldn't do in the assembly. That that, that just doesn't even make sense. Um, so, um, but before we move from that, Jacob, I think you're about to fix to call time on me again. But I, be, I want to call time before you go from that. You're talking, Mike. About I don't know. I don't know if you agree with me on this. I do object to the playing and of of spiritual songs the the use of spiritual songs at home with the instrument if it's worship if it's worship then it should be done with singing and not with playing and so if if I've got a spiritual song and I'm singing it with my family at home I think I should do that without musical accompaniment I I I do not approve of sitting down at the piano and banging out the old rugged cross while all the family gathers around and sings. If we're singing with the intention of honoring and praising and glorifying God, then it should be done as he instructed in New Testament worship. And and if it's just for entertainment, my argument is we should leave those spiritual songs alone because we're making a sacrilege of them if we're just using them for fun and games. I think James chapter 5, verse 13 would speak to our individual worship, and it uses the, the instruction to sing as well, speaking to the individual, not to the corporate uh, gathering of the saints. So I'm going to call time, and we're going to go to the next one. All right, all right. The next one was. Do we have time for this before the break? Maybe uh, we we're going to squeeze it, and we're, okay. we're going to be close on our time here, so we make all it right. fast. The, the 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 next argument that's sometimes made is the instrument. Now, here's a denominational person makes this argument, trying to justify instrumental music. We use the instrument just as an aid to our singing. It's not any different than when you use a songbook. Or especially when you use a pitchfork or a tuning pipe or one of these electronic devices to help you set the the, the, the right key and tone for the song. It's just an aid. The, the piano, the organ, the other instruments we use, it's just an aid to our worship. Mike, what do you think? Well, um, the, uh, the tuning fork and, and things like that, um, can you sing a song properly if, if you're not on pitch? The answer to that is no. You can't sing it the way that it's, in, it's supposed to be sung. So that is an aid. There's a difference between an aid and an, an addition. And I, I like to use the analogy of a cane. You know, a, a cane, I can't, if I have some sort of disability, I can't walk without a cane. But, and so it's an aid. But if I, you know, uh, if I, you know, and so if the command was to walk, well, I could use uh, a cane. Um, because you're still but, you know, walking. It, because I'm still walking. And so that's just an aid. It, it helps us. It's just like a tuning fork. It helps us to do what we're, what we're asked to do. But if we, if, if we sing and we play, well, then that's an addition. We, can, we obviously can sing without playing because we do it every week in the, amongst the churches of Christ. I mean, we, we prove that argument through every, every single time that we, we worship in song. And you're not worshiping God with, with the pitch pipe. It's not that The pitch pipe truly is an, a, a, a truly is an aid because we, what we end up doing is what we're commanded to do, and we sing. The songbook is a classic. You know, you, the songbook doesn't change anything. It right. just keeps us all uh, on the same verse of the same song, and we're following along with the same music, but we're singing. We're not doing anything but singing. An aid, when you use an aid, you end up doing what you were told to do, sing. When you use an instrument to accompany the singing, then you're doing two things. You're singing and playing. That's an addition. Uh, I, I, I just think that that's really clear. Uh, but, you know, one question that I sometimes ask of those who disagree is, in your, uh, you know, to David Baker, I asked last week, David, I don't know if you remember, do you ever have 
periods of time in your worship assemblies when there is just an instrument playing, nobody is singing. Yeah. And he said yes. So it's not an aid. That's, how could that be an aid? You're not even singing. Right. It's just it's it's just being played. Okay. And so I think that that really exposes the difference between an aid and what they're doing when they play an instrument. It's, it's, it's a clear addition to what's authorized in worship. All right. Can we real, call time? Wait, real quick. Let me get to let's, – let's see what Chris in the U.K. says about that. We need to add uh, him in here. A, it, he, he, would, uh, he, would, he would agree. Uh, he, okay. He's basically that uh, – He says, so are the people surrounding you, and I'm glad I only have to make a joyful noise to the Lord, and that is to be sweet-smelling savor, not a sweet-sounding one. Okay. okay. Hey, can, can, we take, can we squeeze the next one in because I can answer it in two words. What is the next one? I just like it. I just like the instrument. So what? So what? You know, I, I, the reason I added that in there, Mike, is I had a neighbor one time uh, and encouraged him to worship with us. We tried to uh, uh, set up a Bible study with him, and and finally he said, "You know, I just couldn't do it." He said, "I just, I, I don't, I could never be a member of that church." He said, "I just miss the instrument to me." I said, "I just love to hear the organ play at church. I like it." And he broke it off on the basis that that's just what he liked. And uh, I, I think the answer to it is the answer that Jacob gave. It's, it's not a question of what we like. It's a question of who we're trying to please here, God or man, or even self. If we're trying to please God, then we do what he said the way he said to do it. Okay. All right. Well, well, to... At least it's good that you have honest neighbors. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't live in that same spot anymore, but he was honest. You know, a lot of people would not be so honest to say it that way, but I think a lot of people feel that way. Did he come out and just say, I just don't like living next to you, too? Uh, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to take a break and uh, get this week's bullet point. Then we come back. We've got one more argument, I think, from last week, and then we get into the, the arguments that David Baker made, and that's really where I think we want to spend most of our time. And this that. last question is almost an overlap of what he said anyway. That's okay. Okay. All right. We'll get back uh, to the discussion right after this. We welcome your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Paul's final words to the elders of the church at Ephesus included this statement. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's from Acts 20, verses 26 and 27. His conscience was clear. He had no regrets about his work there. If any were lost, it would not be because they had not been taught, encouraged, and warned by the apostle. He had done his work well. He knew that he had not failed to teach them on every necessary subject. Many preachers of the modern day could not make the same claim. They shy away from preaching on many essential themes, citing them as too controversial or too negative. Instead, they present a steady diet of positive sermons aimed at making their hearers feel good about themselves. While we all need to hear the positive truth of God's Word that reassure us of His love, grace, and mercy, we also need to be warned about what Paul called the terror of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. If error is not exposed and if sin is not rebuked, how will necessary repentance be produced? Those who have not been taught, quote, all the counsel of God that Paul talked about will be ripe for apostasy. Young people will grow into adulthood without a firm foundation in the gospel. Even those who are older will begin to forget the needed admonitions of the scriptures. Any slight challenge will be too much for their fragile faith and they will leave the church, oftentimes not even realizing the seriousness of their spiritual condition. In too many congregations, it's been years since lessons have been taught on instrumental music, the role of women, marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and so forth. With little or no teaching on these essential subjects, they become ever more vulnerable to false teaching and departures from the faith. Brethren, we cannot afford to soft-pedal the truth. Let us declare all the counsel of God. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and we welcome you back as well. We welcome your comments. Join in the discussion as we talk about instrumental music. Do you believe it's uh, authorized from the Scriptures? If you disagree with us, we'd especially like to hear from you on the program tonight. One more. The, the chat room is as quiet as it has been ever, maybe. Uh, Dave is in there and made one comment. He couldn't get anybody stirred up. 
uh, add your comments in there in the chat room if you like. We'd be glad to try to work you into the discussion through the chat room or a phone call. He commented on uh, whether or not you could listen to music in your personal life uh, without worshiping God. He says, listening to my music in my car is not singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's not worshiping God, he says, when he listens to music in his car. And he's not even singing. He's just That's listening. True. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Now, the last question we sent out last week overlaps somewhat with what David Baker said on you the program. You just want to work it in? Yeah, we we'll, we'll just David? combine these here. Okay. He, uh, I asked the question, how would you answer someone who says the Greek word for sing originally meant to sing with musical accompaniment? And David Baker actually said, and he used Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, He said that the word psalm in those verses means to sing with musical accompaniment, or it can mean that at least, and therefore authorizes the use of instrumental music. Now, let me me go to the verses real quick, Jacob. Okay. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The word there is psalms. And also making melody, which comes from the same Greek root. It's the the Greek word solo. And so psalm or solo means a a verse accompanied with the voice and instrument and so forth. It can mean that. And it it uses the word or, voice, uh, harp, or stringed instrument. Okay. It's way strong to, to find it. Yeah, and Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So he says the word psalm means a verse that can be accompanied with an instrument, therefore it justifies the use of an instrument. So how are we going to answer that? Mike, get us started on that. Um, say, that, say that question one more time. Well, he's basic, his, his basic position was that this Greek word... The word psalm or solo can mean to sing with musical accompaniment. And therefore, there's all you need. Well, now, it's interesting that he made the argument because this was his, I think this is his most powerful argument and the argument that he kept coming back to. But he said that he didn't like to use uh, human (laughs) people to find the the word. Definitions, human definitions. To make... To make his to make a point, but he really he really did ride on that human definition, and I've I found other sources who said that this word psalm or psalmos had was was sort of a it made transition throughout time, and by the time the New Testament was written, it could have simply referred to the psalms themselves in the Old Testament, uh, that it didn't maybe not not had any connotation uh, towards the musical part of things, but. It's interesting here. That's just to use the human definition. It could be voice, harp, or stringed instrument. And by David's own admission, by his own argument, and his own practice, it doesn't necessitate the stringed instrument because he, he, he could sing a. He said he would sing a song without instrumental music, and he agreed to that when we brought it up with him. So therefore, in and of itself, David admits it does not demand that you worship with instruments. And therefore, well, the, we have to use the context to the, get what God has told us to use, how, how he's told us to worship him with those psalms. And what he said was sing. He said sing. You sing the psalms. And make melody in your heart. Yeah. You sing yeah, the psalms, you make melody just in your heart. Just the word itself does not demand that you must use an instrument, and, and therefore it doesn't authorize you to use an instrument. Yeah. Guys, I, I sort of feel like that entire argument, although it is, I, I agree with Jacob, it is probably the best argument that they can make. I think it's a complete and total distraction. Because when you look at either one of those passages, Ephesians 5.19 or Colossians 3 and uh, verse 16, that the definition of that word is absolutely irrelevant because it, it has no bearing on what we're supposed to do. The, the psalms, the hymns, and the spiritual songs, all those words mean is they, they identify the type of song that is authorized. And so then we ask ourselves, okay, what are we supposed to do? We have really three options, what we do with those kinds of songs. Do we sing, do we play, or we do we sing and play? Well, consistently throughout the New Testament, without exception, it always says sing. And not only that, but, you know, back to what Jacob was saying about 
Mr. Baker's um, argument about, well, it could mean one thing or it could mean the other. You know, it could mean sing only or it could mean musical accompaniment. Okay, the, the way that I like to come at this is I've always found it kind of ironic because I've never, ever heard anybody make the argument that, that instrumental music is necessary, that it is commanded, that in other words, it's, it's a sin if we don't have it. Right, and, and, nobody, Dave, and nobody, David Baker didn't either, by the way. Right, and he did not. And so my question would be, don't, don't passages like Romans 14 or uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, when it talks about being sensitive to a brother's conscience, uh, don't, don't passages like that come into play? If it's not necessary, are we going to insist that we have it to the point of division? And if you know, you go back again, go back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, when Paul's recognizing their division there, um, he, he says, you know, you're still carnal because there's divisions amongst you. Well, if, in other words, I think what that the whole idea there that it's trying to tell me is if, if there's some way that I can still worship God in spirit and in truth and give a little bit, then I ought to be willing to do that for my weaker brother's sake. And I think he looks at us as though we're the weaker brother in that case. All right. Well, <laughs> I made an argument. Jacob, I think what you said and some of the research that you dug into this week verifies what I was trying to argue last week. And that is that words have an evolution over time. The meaning changes. A lot of our English words have changed meaning. For instance, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like to use the King James Version of the Bible anymore is because there's some archaic words in there whose meanings have changed Mm -hmm. in the 400 years or so since the King James Version was translated. I I think that's true. I I think that that's true that uh, this word psalm or solo uh, or psalmos had changed because... Those people who spoke the language in the first century, all church historians agree they did not use instruments. Now, they were familiar with the use of instruments. They used them in the Hebrew temple worship. The pagans used them in their in their worships. The Christians did not use instruments of music. Church historians are unanimous agreement about that. Those people knew the Greek language, and they did not take it that that word meant that they should be playing instruments. Right. And so... Again, uh, David Baker said, I don't think we should argue based upon what humans have done. Well, those humans in the first century were operating under the direct guidance of the inspired apostles and prophets. They knew by inspiration what God wanted. They did not use the instrument. And they understood the words in their native tongue. And they didn't argue that the words allowed for that. And so I just don't think you can get around that conclusion. All right. 877-381-4567. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. The chat room is uh, moving now, and uh, we're up against another break. Right, you let's want take, to skip it or you want to go on? We can skip. Let's, let's, let's take this last break real quick, and we'll go to the top of the hour. All right. We're not going to skip. We're going to take the break. We'll take your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Roughly 6 in 10 of the religiously unaffiliated, that's 61%, favor same-sex marriage, including fully 78% of atheists and agnostics. Slightly fewer than half of white mainline Protestants, 48%, and white Catholics, 49%, favor same-sex marriage. By contrast, just 22% of white evangelical Protestants favor allowing gays and lesbians to marry. 
Roughly one quarter, 24% of those who attend worship services at least once a week favor same-sex marriage. But that rises to 49% among those who attend only monthly or yearly. And 57% among those who attend seldom or never. All of those statistics are via the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we are broadcasting around the world tonight, and we're looking forward to your comments wherever in the world you are and from wherever in the world you stand on this issue. 877-381-4567. Anthony, you had a thought for us about uh, the word psalm or solo, meaning you can play an instrument. Yeah, yeah. I thought, again, I think that was the argument that seemed to come up the most often last week, but... Even if you grant that the definition could include the possibility of an instrumental accompaniment, that doesn't authorize that definition alone doesn't authorize it. You have to look at the context. So, in the context of the verses that we've been talking about, the clear context is that we are to sing, and that, as Mike mentioned, those are simply the types of songs that we are to sing. Um, so if a word has multiple possible definitions, if you want to know what the the definition is in that specific case, you have to look at the context. And we do that all the time. Uh, you know, when we read things, there may be a word like the word plant that could mean uh, a factory or it could mean a, a little green thing in the ground. So the word is exactly the same, but by the context, we know what's being what's being talked about. Good point, Anthony. Hey, way to hide behind the camera and not, I mean, the curtain and not use the camera tonight. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, it is correct that a psalm can mean uh, uh, sing with a musical instrument. If the verse stated that we are to address one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and stop there, then he would possibly have a valid point. But the verse tells us how to do this. It goes on to say, sing and make melody in your heart. One version, the contemporary English Bible says, make music in your heart. The verse is clear on who, one another, what, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and how, making melody in your heart, not on an instrument. All right, and uh, Jim in Kentucky says, uh, we define a word by its common usage, its context of the passage. The Greek word ek, uh, klesia, meant a called-out body politically. The New Testament uses uses this word uh, to refer to the church. The scripture thus gives a specific use to a common word. God tells us what we need to do and how to do it in order to please him, just as God told Noah what wood to use in building the ark. God tells us what we need to use in order to obey his commands. When he commands that we sing, he reveals that we are to use our voices in praising him. If he desired we use an instrument, he would have revealed which one to use. All right. Now, Chris in the U.K., who, who disagrees with us on this subject, says uh, it starts with with that that is our communication and it is to ourselves as an outpouring of us being filled with the spirit it is not the context of communal worship but our everyday lives as we believe the corresponding colossians passage does so that we encourage one another in that case as we let the word of god dwell richly in us with all wisdom and surely not with our mouths filled with the word and and our hearts or uh, uh, if you prefer full of the spirit we can't help but to sing and break out into praise and and to have it in all our words and deeds, the urge to do all that in his name and be able to give thanks in all the things in our lives. It, again, is not the context of a worship service, but of a whole life philosophically, which is governed by the Spirit and the Word of God, whether it involves music or not. I'm not sure whether... I'm Actually, in, in taking in his comment there, Jacob, I'm not sure that he has actually addressed the question of that Greek word mm-hmm. as to whether it means... Uh, includes the possibility of playing instruments. Just to summarize real quickly, uh, David Baker said psalm can mean to accompany with a musical instrument or on a stringed instrument. Therefore, since it can mean that, that it justifies us to do that. Um, But I, I like what you said, Anthony. Words can have various meanings, and the context in which they're employed forces us to understand what they're meant in context, and in that context, Colossians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.19, uh, 
clearly it tells us what to do. Saying, okay. Any thoughts, Mike? Yeah, well, one one thought I wanted to jump in with. I, I couldn't let the Bible study end tonight without bringing up Psalm 98. Okay, let's go uh, to that. Wait, 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 you're jumping yeah. the gun. Let's go to that. Oh, let's, let's, the you're jumping right. the gun. No, we got, let's, we got one to go before then. We got to get. Okay, to, we're gonna do that one last. Jesus Mike. is the same. I didn't yesterday. get the memo. Do, okay. Yeah, oh, you here's, the memo, here's the memo. Here's the memo. Too bad. The, Jesus says. David that, David Baker said. Go ahead. Jesus is the same. You're using that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, I just was just. Clarifying what you're going to. You're going to to his yeah. argument. Yes, that's right. That's right. David Baker said, Hebrews 13, verse 8, says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thus, if the Lord liked instrumental music in the Old Testament, he likes it now. What do you think? What do you think, Mike? Uh, well, I agree that Jesus is the same today uh, as just as he was yesterday. But I think what Mr. Baker's confusing about those statements, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New, when it talks about God's nature being the same and, and Christ being the same, it's his nature. It's his nature that does not change. And God is, is still the same type of God that he always is. But obviously, in different situations, he requires different things. And, you know, for example, what I said earlier about the shift between the patriarchal era, the Mosaic era, and now the Christian era. Obviously, there's a, a great deal of difference uh, how we worship today versus how they worshiped under the Old Testament system, those two other Old Testament systems. And so, although God, his nature, the type of being that he is, he's not changed. Uh, his, his, his justice is, 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 uh, you know, his just nature, that hasn't changed at all. He's still a righteous God. But what he requires of us does sometimes change from, from system to system. What, right. To, to say that God, I mean, if you're going to apply that to the instrument, you'd have to apply it to everything. And that would mean that everything that God wanted in the Old Testament, he still wants today. And we know that can't be true. Well, I think David Baker did say, unless he specifically said not to. Uh, and and he, he he never specifically said not to use the instrument. But as we've pointed out, you don't have to say not to. When you tell us what you want, you exclude every other possibility. Okay. So well, Greg, I, I, think, I think, again, if you go back to Acts 15, that answers that question because God never said n to stop circumcising people. He never said that. But And so the question came up because of that, that they still right, thought people needed right. to be cir circumcised. Just keep doing it because he never said to stop. Well, God didn't have to say stop. It's a new covenant that we're under, God has to say to do it in order for it to be authorized. Exactly right. Good point. Good point. All right. Now, Mike, I know because I talked to you this afternoon, okay, okay. You're, you're chomping <laughs> at the bit to get to this Psalm 98.5. Psalm 98.5 says, sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. He said Psalm 98.5 says that actually, David Baker said last week that playing an instrument is actually singing, that the instrument is actually singing. Sing to the Lord with the harp. What do you think about that? Well, I think you misunderstood the passage. You know, I, with all due respect to Mr. Baker, I don't, I don't want this to come across the same way, the wrong way. But he made a statement um, just before he read that verse and made that argument that the the musical instrument itself was what was doing the singing. And prior to that, he had made a statement uh, to the effect that sometimes we just, you know, I think he sort of saw the Church of Christ as a group of people, and he sort of assumed that maybe some of us just couldn't see the truth, that God's okay with musical instruments in worship, because we've just always sort of been taught, and that's all that we've ever heard. And, and so when we read the passages that surround musical instruments in worship, we sort of read it with... Uh, colored with, glasses. With, with, yeah. yeah, colored glasses. We have a skewed point of view, and we sort of read things into passages that aren't really there. <laughs> and then right after that, he went into Psalm 98 uh, and, and read that passage. And I've got to tell you, I, I think the shoe's on the other foot now. I mean, there is no doubt that that is a misunderstanding of what that, that, that he really means. was. He really was reading that with colored glasses to try. No, no, and I asked him this last week. I said, if I told you, sing me a song with a guitar, you would know that I meant sing a song and accompany it with a guitar. Right. Uh, and that's what this, that's exactly what this verse is saying. Sing, well, a, and sing, with a, sing a song with the harp. There was so much about that that um, it just, in order to even make his argument, he really had to push with human reasoning and to somehow come, with, uh, come up with some sort of an explanation about how the instrument itself was doing the singing. And I don't think anybody 
you know, other than the, the he did use a, a figurative sense, but I don't think that's the way that passage is meant to be understood. Uh, I just I thought that was a that was an unfortunate. That, that was uh, a reach, don't you think? That was a, a a real reach there on that one. Well, and, and by the way, to speak to that effect, um, you know, just in case uh, Mr. Baker or someone like that might might think that way. I want people to know my background. I, I grew up, you know, in a Lutheran church and many other denominations thereafter. I, I you know, I uh, spent a lot of time amongst many denominational groups, and for many years, I myself had never considered the issue, and I thought it was perfectly acceptable to worship with with a musical instrument um, until somebody presented the argument to me, and I started thinking about it, and the light bulb came on. I thought, wow, I, I've never saw this before, but Obviously, I changed my mind on it, and it wasn't because I had always been taught that from my youth. Well, we made the point last week uh, as we were talking with David Baker. The the use of instruments in religious worship is a relatively new thing, and most denominations fought it tooth and toenail until it was brought in. The Baptist, David Baker's a Baptist, the Baptists have fought this battle within the last 200 years. Now, everybody takes for granted that it was always so. But it wasn't always so. And so if it's so clear, I asked him this uh, and he really didn't respond. If it is so clear that it's authorized uh, with the use of the word psalm or solo, why is it that it's only been within the last 200 years or so that the Baptists have figured that out? Yeah. Well, you know, it, And you're not making your argument solely based on history. You can't do that, but it does back up your argument. Yeah. I mean, you're making your argument from the scriptures and you are showing that historically... People interpreted the scriptures the same way, uh, so it is interesting. Uh, real, real quickly, I, I, I want to go to an argument that was sent in last week from Amos 6, verse 5. In Amos 6, the prophet is pronouncing a number of woes on people, yes. woe to them that do this and that, and, and woe, 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 and he gets to verse 5, Amos 6, verse 5, woe to those that chant to the sound of the vile and invent to themselves instruments of music like David did that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments. I've heard this argument made that Amos 6, verse 5, condemned using instruments even in the Old Testament, that they're, that they're not authorized now and were even condemned in the Old Testament. I actually think a careful study of that text does not sustain that conclusion. There's just way too many favorable references to instrumental music in the Old Testament I think what's going on there in Amos chapter 5 is that the people have become so corrupt, they were still offering some worship to God that was right. For instance, uh, in in the previous chapter, uh, verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. In other words, the people have become so corrupt that they were still doing some things as God had ordained, but they had brought in a whole lot more. He mentions their false gods, worshiping the false gods, verse 26, 5, 26, Moloch and Sheon, their images. And so in that context, he's mentioning some of the things they are doing that were that were as prescribed, a number of things that they were doing that were wrong. And he said, I'm not going to accept any of it from right. you. And I think it's in that context that he mentions the the using instruments like David did. David was not condemned for using instruments, but he wasn't going to accept it from them because they had become so morally corrupt. Interesting. Now, I've got you, you mentioned history a while back, and uh, Dave in the chat room has uh, mentioned some history. Maybe you and Mike, uh, maybe you, you would probably have a better chance of this. He says, the heart is the instrument in the New Testament ever heard of plucking my heartstrings. Sure. How about the Les Paul and Mary Ford song from the 50s, Zing, Went the Strings of My Heart? Uh, come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. I don't remember that one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it was a real a real zinger there. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, we had a good discussion and so good that we went over time. Yeah, we're a little over time, but we were a little bit late starting. Let's repeat what we said about David Baker and his uh, willingness to talk to us. We appreciate that, and we appreciate, uh, we I believe he sincerely desires to please God, and uh, we appreciate uh, him uh, being willing to discuss our differences with us. We do think they're important, and uh, we do think that uh, we should agree, uh, uh, agree on what the Bible teaches. We think we can be in harmony. Well, we believe the scriptures are very Yeah, but these are, these are issues that are significant, and, yes. they, and they can't be ignored. Yes. And all right. So, thank you, Jacob. All right. Thank you, Mike, for joining us in New Orleans, Indiana. And thanks for being a regular participant in the program. 
Yeah, no problem, guys. I, I always enjoy it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for being on the board, Anthony. Good job. No problem. Enjoyed the program tonight. All right. Good, good to be with you, Anthony, too. Thanks, Mike. Hang, okay. on, hang on there a minute, uh, Mike. i got to talk to you. All right, and uh, okay. we do appreciate you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And as always, if you disagree with anything you heard on the program tonight, if you'd like to discuss it with us further, we welcome your comments via email or over the phone anytime. If you're listening to this in the recorded version, please don't hesitate to contact us at any time. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word in the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.